Bubba Franks, Jeremy Shockey, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham. That's why, just a few of the reasons why Miami used to be known as tight end U. And my friends, the tight end position, I think it's in really, really good shape right now for the present and future. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're going to talk some recruiting and we're going to take a deep dive on Miami's tight end room, which is one of the deeper rooms, one of the better rooms on the team with our very good friend, Brad Tejeda, canesinsight.com. Brad joins us from Gainesville. We'll be talking about Gainesville on this one, guys. Don't worry. Brad, how you doing, sir? Oh, yes, we will, Alex. How's it going today, man? Uh, always a pleasure to stop by on Lockdown Canes, man. Appreciate you for having me once as always. And uh, let's talk some Canes football and get into uh, to a little bit of Gainesville news as well. Yeah, you're a show favorite, man. That's why uh, That's why you all, you always bring the goods. Okay, so first, um, you know, we did talk about this on yesterday's episode, but when you've got a player this good who took an official visit and is considering Miami, I want to ask you, Brad, your take on David Hicks out of Texas, five-star defensive lineman. Now, Miami, they are not the favorite to land him. They're not getting the crystal balls. Those are mostly going to Texas A&M. But he did have what sounded like a really good visit in Coral Gables over the weekend. So, And another thing about this, Brad, is you know, everything I understand uh, about this player and his father, I think it's a big influence on his recruiting process. His father, David Hicks Sr., is a former NFL player. And it looks like they're approaching his recruitment very business-like, right? Like some players may have put a certain value on like campus life, city life, location. It seems to me like David Hicks is looking at this all business, right? Like who's going to develop me? What's the best scheme fit? Who's going to give me the best path to the NFL? Uh, and I'm not saying Miami isn't good in those areas because we're trending very much upward in all those areas. But as far as like the whole South Beach thing, I don't get the sense that's a big part of his criteria. What do you think, Brad? And where do you think Miami stands with one of the best recruits in the country? Yeah, Alex. I mean, when you talk about David Hicks, I mean, he's a, a huge animal, right? You're talking about a 6'4", 270-pound young man. Um, he's the number one player in Texas. Um, mind you, as we know, Florida football, Texas football, it goes hand in hand. So to be the number one player in the state of Texas is already something to put to the table. Um, but like you mentioned, man, you got Miami, Texas, Texas A&M, and Oregon uh, flirting around with David Hicks. But when you talk about David Hicks, it's the it's the opportunity that comes with him to potentially get early playing time. You look at what Leonard Taylor did this past season. I think he is the perfect guy to look after and say, hey, this is a young man that was a five-star, just like me, number one player at his position. And he came in and he strictly did nothing but the business, right? He brought in, came in, did what he needed to do. I think this next year with uh, Leonard Taylor, we're going to have to see a, a big jump. But with David Hicks specifically, 
this is a young man that you're going to want to bring on this football team. And not just him, you're starting to see the top recruits of the nation funnel in for the University of Miami. Whether if we're in the number one driver's seat, if we're in the passenger seat, but at least we're in the car. Um, and that's what you're seeing with a lot of these big time recruits. We're bringing them in left and right. And there's a lot of big time players um, that have gone to the University of Miami in the past couple of weeks that people don't even know about. So what I like the most is that we're, we're keeping it on the down low with inside the program as, as far as things not getting leaked out, because I can I can say that our, there are some bigger names, um, just as big as David Hicks, that have been going into Coral Gables that people don't know about. So it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of things play out. But with David Hicks specifically, I mean, we got to get someone like him. He's going to be a game changer for any program. And like like I mentioned, he's the number one player in Texas. So he he's a hometown kid. You got to make sure that we we kind of keep him away from the Texas Texas A&M. But that will be tough to beat. Um, but, hey, we're in a good spot. I like what I see from him. And we had a, a nice official visit over the weekend. It was a nothing but big boys that came through yeah. Coral Gables this past weekend. Yeah. And okay. And another, another player I wanted to talk about who we haven't talked about on this show in a while. I, in fact, maybe the last time we talked about this guy might've been the last time you were on Brad, because I think you, you turned me on to this player, but interior offensive lineman, Connor Lou, who I think is someone who, uh, who could certainly, anytime you're talking about offensive line recruits, Miami seems like a great place to be right. I mean, with Mario Cristobal as your head coach, you know, he's not going to ignore the O-line. Alex Mirabal is one of the best of the best when it comes to coaching up and recruiting. Uh, do you think Connor Liu could be a tremendous fit? And where do you think Miami might be in his pecking order? Yeah, with Connor Liu um, from Kinshaw, Georgia, he was a first team all state in, in Georgia this past year. And from everything I've heard, I think, Miami's in a very good spot. I don't know if we're number one. We're probably number two right now. But the thing with Connor Lewis, he's an inside offensive lineman that is mostly a center slash guard. And when you look over this offense, uh, not just the offensive line that we currently have on the team, but who we've already brought in as far as the recruiting. Um, he had another guy over the weekend in Antonio Tripp that plays similar roles and positions as him. And he's already committed to the team. He's a, a huge ambassador for this 2023 recruiting class who a lot of people love. Um, but specifically on, on Connor Liu, um, I believe he uh, visits Auburn June 17th and Georgia June 24th. Um, so those are the other two visits to look out for. But I know Miami, Clemson, Georgia, and Auburn are in his top four. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Connor Lou does end up in this class, but don't be surprised if he doesn't. Um, we're a very diverse group when it comes to the offensive line. As you know, Coach Maribal, Coach Cristobal, those are the main guys that you want to be coached under when you're coming into a, an elite program for the offensive line. So I think regardless who we add into this class on the interior or exterior on the offensive line, they're going to get coached up. They're going to get developed the right way. And um, I think Kane fans should be excited and happy and uh, remorse that we got a, a great staff specifically on, on the interior, on the offense and defensive line. So you, you mentioned with Lou, Miami might be number two. Who's number one, Georgia? I would say right now it's probably either Georgia or I've heard some things about Auburn lately. Um, don't be surprised if Auburn get, gets a little bit in there as well. But, yeah, Georgia right now is probably the favorite, if I if I would imagine. Um, but my guy, Ja'Kai Clark, you know, he, he's got some ties to Georgia as well. So I know he's yeah. going to be doing everything he can to bring it home some other local guys from his area. So um, that's one to watch out for. And then, of course, you got Jackson Carver tied in that came in over the weekend and uh, our guy Reed that you talked about. 
Yeah, and, and and we're gonna we're gonna circle back to Reed with Brad because I, I think he's got some good stuff on Reed McKeska. Uh, but well, let's talk about a quarterback first, Brad. On campus this past weekend, working out for Miami's coaches, getting coached up by Frank Ponce over the weekend. Emory Williams, three-star quarterback from the Florida Panhandle. Uh, I I think he he's probably a little bit underrated, even with that three-star tag. It seems like there's mutual interest between Miami and Emory Williams, but. Is it accurate to say that Williams and maybe Miami as well, for that matter, they're they're waiting for some dominoes here? Uh, I'm not expecting Jaden Rashada to pick Miami, but Miami are in his finalists, and he's going to announce June 18th this coming weekend. Is Rashada where he's going to go? So do you think maybe Emory Williams might be kind of waiting to see what Rashada does before he makes his commitment because Emery talked about making his commitment probably late in the month of June. This is the complete opposite of what we are not used to, Alex. In years past with our coaching staff, we are very late on guys that we're trying to target specifically in key positions. And as we know, the quarterback group is a position you have to recruit every year in the recruiting class. And with this young man, specifically Emery Williams, we jumped on Emery very quickly and very early to where now it's kind of like a lot more people are getting eyes on Emory Williams, and it has to be thanks to the University of Miami. And I think we're in a very, very good spot with Emory because Emory knows the camaraderie, the, the type of relationship that we have built with him, and he wants to be a Miami Hurricane. And the great thing is he is going to be a great second option if he does, in fact, be that second option. You mentioned Jaden Rashada um, just a second ago as far as Miami being in his top. But there could be more, Alex. I'm gonna leave it like that. Ooh. So you, you so so you're saying for him, you think Rashada may go off the board? I think I think there could be more than Rashada. I think I think oh, our guy, I see, I I think our guy Dante Moore. Dante Moore is 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 another another guy that you need to bring back in the loop of things. I've heard a lot of chatter over the weekend that Dante Moore and the University of Miami are starting to head in a better direction than what people thought a couple weeks ago. So Dante Moore is another name to to kind of put back in this circle of group. We never we never took him out the group, but I think he out of the three guys we have been talking about, it seemed like Dante Moore was probably at the bottom of the list just because we had all these big big time you know teams going after him. But from everything I heard, man, I I wouldn't count Dante Moore out. So we're going to be talking in a moment with Brad Tejeda about Miami's tight ends, present and future, current depth chart, which I think looks awesome, and what may be coming through the door. But before we get to that, Brad, I'm a little bit worried about your your health and, and your, your safety. Uh, you, you live these days up in Gainesville. Is it possible to get a good meal up there? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on social media the last couple of days, oh, and man. I see this, I see this post that keeps getting shared, Peyton Kirkland, is up there visiting the Gator, and he takes a photo of his plate of food up there. And, bro, I don't think I'm exactly – this is fire Festival-esque. This is like prison food, what he Look, was eating up there. What, what's if, happening up there in if Gainesville? A young man, if a young man has to kind of post a picture of a meal and then kind of hours later kind of say, hey, man, I, I got I to kind of tell you guys a little bit more about this picture. It. I just didn't have the best plate. It was good food. I just didn't have the best plate. That alone 
is already backfired. But I mean, when you talk uh, about the fake photo shoots with the with the fancy luxury of cars, the beaches in the background, all things that you're not going to see in Gainesville. And then not to mention, you mix that with the retirement food. I mean, my poor <laughs> grandmother, my poor great grandmother just got into a retirement home locally in Gainesville. And I kid you not, it was the same plate that my guy Peyton Kirkland had. I mean, you go look at that picture i mean i don't know if you could pull it up for the fans but that poor cornbread i don't know if it was cornbread burnt salmon but it looked like whole grain uh, it looked like it looked like something whole grain and then you you yeah. check out the macaroni and cheese the poor noodles was drowning in the sauce the, the, the noodles needed a life jacket alex <laughs> it was, it and, then, and then two wings two wings for offensive lineman uh, poor Peyton. Poor Peyton. I, I tell you what when he comes to miami it's going to be a full course meal as we know and uh he's going to have a great time yeah, I mean, it's usually Rusty Pelican is usually where where they take recruits to down here. But just is it, take him to Prime One Twelve as well. Take take him. I I mean, I I hope he likes croquetas. If he's never tried them, he will like them. So to, to take him out there to uh, Versailles, just give this guy like the whole the whole gauntlet of the great South Florida food, and he'll he'll never step foot in Gainesville think, ever again. I think the difference between you know a UF staff and a Miami staff is all the things that UF are kind of bringing to these recruitments to the table when they're on these visits are all things that are are made up they're not things right. that you're gonna be able to go to gainesville every week and every weekend and see it these are all things that they have to you know they have to hire an agency or hire you know someone to bring in luxury cars or they got to get a green screen to to have the beach in the background these are all things you don't have to make up in the beautiful city of miami so uh, it's an advantage alone and then when you bring in the staff that mario cristobal has i'm very excited for the uh, next official visits coming up. We'll be breaking down the tight ends right after we break down betonline.net. That is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the championship NHL matchup, Major League Baseball, and, of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. I'm on Bet Online every single day. There's such great info on there. And you guys know I'm big into the odds and the sharps and the edges. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen. Make sure you check out the ultimate NBA mock draft. It starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. It equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. Alex Dono alongside Brad, De Brad Tejeda from canesinsight.com. Brad, let's break down the Miami tight ends present and we'll talk about what could potentially be coming in in the future. But you look at the top trio and I think there's even some depth beyond that. But I'm looking at... You know, we get uh, the experience back of Will Mallory. Elijah Arroyo, I think, is ready to break out. And Jaleel Skinner, one of the best in the country that Miami was able to land. He's a true freshman coming in, class of 2022. So let's start with that top three, Brad. Uh, which of those three names do you think we'll be talking about the most by the end of the season? Well, I mean, you mentioned Will Mallory, Arroyo, and Skinner, right? And I think, as we know, Will Mallory coming back for his last season as a Miami Hurricane, there's a lot of expectations on him. He only had 30 catches for only 347 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and our guy Elijah Arroyo um, had five catches for a touchdown. 
So we got to have the productivity come back. And, and when you look at the position group of University of Miami, tight end is something that has never been a problem. Um, but now it's going to come to the developing and scheming these tight ends the right way to put them in the right spot. And I think Coach Gaddis, you saw a little teaser in the spring game, and he used a two tight end sets, very effective. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But when you look at the prototypical tight end that has ever came out of Miami, I'm talking about the greats, the Greg Olsons, the Jeremy Shockeys, the David Njokus, the Chris Herndon. You look at their size and stature, 6'4", 6'5", yeah. floating around that 240, 250 range. Everyone that we talked about is hitting that range except one guy. And the one guy that hasn't hit that range yet is only because he hasn't been in the program long enough. And he's the one that we will be talking about when it's all said and done. And that's Jaleel Skinner. This young man, if you want to put LeBron James on a football field, Jaleel Skinner is pretty close to it. This young man is massive. The size that he has, he when he's standing next to pro players, he looks like he's already been in the same, same class, same resume. He's done it all. But the scary thing, he hasn't done anything yet. So yeah. all the things, all the expectations that we're putting on this young man – He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to exceed him, right? Does he have to do it year one? Absolutely not. But right. with the group that we have right now, it is very comfortable to say that the the sky is the limit for him in particular. And I think when you mix in those three, along with you know the Don Memorellis, the Khalil Brantleys, you have guys that can strictly come into our scheme and do what they do best. Jaleel Skinner is he two forty two fifty right now? Absolutely not. Does he is he gonna have to come in right away and have to be that run blocker? No, that's when you bring in a Dom Morelli, a Khalil Brantley. You have the other guys to substitute and use where Jaleel Skinner's weakness at the time may be. The key to this is you got to use everyone's pros to their advantage. And I think a guy like Will Mallory, a guy like Elijah Roa, and like I mentioned, Jaleel Skinner, we're gonna be in a very good shape with these guys. And like I mentioned before, with Gaddis using those tight ends effectively. I mean, you talk about the block and release getting open. I see a, someone like Elijah Royal being a huge advantage to that. And then, you know, the tight end drags over the middle. That's where a guy like Will Mallory, Jaleel Skinner, he's going to be able to create that mismatch on those linebackers and those uh, slot corners. Um, my my concern, though, Alex, is going to be the red zone. I want to see how we use these tight ends in the red zone um, because what I've seen from Gaddis lately, and especially with a guy like Coach, uh, Coach Cristobal, when you get in that red zone, they're going to want to ground and pound. They're going to want to use their size and their physicality to their advantage. I want to see how we use those tight ends to our advantage when it comes to the red zone. So we had a, a tight end make an official visit this past weekend. Uh, I like Reed McKeska quite a bit. He seems to like Miami quite a bit, and I think Miami likes him quite a bit. So it's like a love fest, Brad. Uh, and, you know, McKeska, he did, you know, talk about some of the quotes after his OV about like he really really likes the vision like josh gaddis gave him you know a presentation of how tight ends are going to be used in his offense and how you know he can be developed during his time at miami and he seemed quite impressed by that and something a lot of our audience has probably seen is that photo that's going around of mckeska standing right by mario cristobal which is because we know cristobal's a big guy McKeska is about six foot six. Like he, he's gigantic. Like he's a really, really, he looks physically like he can just come in and play right away next year. So give me your assessment on that player. And do you agree with me? Miami seems to be in a pretty good spot to get his commit. 
Yeah, I mean, with Reed McKeska, Cypress, Texas, um, he just decommitted from Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. So, I mean, right off the bat, someone that was committed to Clemson at one point, you got to take him seriously. As we know, Clemson is, is still one of the powerhouses, specifically in our conference. Um, we hope to see that trending down here in the future. But when it comes to Reed, I mean, in the next couple of weeks, Alex, by July 1st, you're going to see at least two to three more commits in this recruiting class, in my, in my opinion. And I think Reed has got to be at the top of the list. I think Reed is could potentially be that next commit. Um, who knows? But I think Reed is in a very good spot with the University of Miami. And like you said, I think Miami loves them some Reed McKeska. Um, and hey, the track record shows, man, we are tight in you. Why not come to the University of Miami to play tight end? And like I mentioned before, Coach Gaddis uses the tight ends very effectively. So between the two, man, I think I think uh, once we play Clemson in, in, in about you know four or five months, I think a lot of the fans, we're going to start to have more of a rivalry between Clemson and Miami because not only on the football field, but I think they're going to start to realize we're going to start taking a little bit of their recruits between Reed and possibly Nathaniel Joseph. Those are two Clemson Tigers that could potentially be Miami Hurricanes when it's all said and done. But I like where we stand with Reed. And that just adds more intrigue to, um, you know, I was looking through a list uh, this week of, I think it's 24-7 sports. They rank the top 10 matchups in the ACC coming up this year. Miami actually has five on that list, which is really not, I mean, five of the top 10 games involve Miami. And number one on their list was that November 19th meeting between Miami and Clemson, because it, it could be a preview of the ACC championship game, or it could even decide which one of those teams gets to the ACC championship game. Cause people forget, even though they're in the two separate divisions, uh, the first, uh, the first criteria for making the title game is overall conference record that actually counts before division records. So that game could be decisive even for either of those teams. And speaking of big games, I want to talk with Mr. Tejeda here on the other side. Uh, I want him to rank the top three biggest home games Miami plays this year. And I'm also going to put him on the hot seat, okay? When it comes to the two toughest games on paper Miami's going to play this season, uh, we all know which ones those are. A couple of road games. Which one is Miami more likely to win or steal, some people might say, because the Canes are going to be hefty underdogs most likely in both of those games. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, also available free on YouTube. And if you watch us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our channel. Hit that thumbs up button on this video. So, Brad, I'll, I'll start with this, right? Because some of some of the most bullish Canes uh, fans in my audience really think Miami is going to win both of those two tough road games, September 17th at Texas A&M. Uh, November 19th at Clemson, Miami on paper right now is more than a touchdown underdog in both of those games. I'm not quite that bullish, but I am optimistic enough to think they can shock the nation and win one of those two games. Uh, if they are to win one of those two games, Brad, which do you think Miami is more likely to win on the road? I'm going to have to go with Clemson, Alex. I think yeah, – I think, you know, going back a couple of years when we played Clemson uh, over there, I was at that game. And even though the score said otherwise, there was there was a lot of moments in that football game where if it was a costly penalty, whether it was a holding um, or, or a pass interference or an offsides on, on the defense, there were a lot of 
momentum game changing plays that if those penalties didn't go in effect, it would have been a whole different ball game. And we didn't have the staff. We didn't have the quarterback. We didn't have the depth that we currently have on this team. And I think when you look going forward, I also think Clemson doesn't have the team that they once had before. I think the key to the Clemson Miami game, Alex is going to be the quarterback, not necessarily for Miami, but for Clemson, will Clemson starting quarterback still be DJ or by that time will Cade Klubnik, the young rising star in Clemson be the guy by then? I think that's what you got to yeah. watch out for because me potentially, I, 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 I think Cade is a way better quarterback in my opinion. And I think the sky is the limit for him. Um, I'm just hoping by the time we play him, either Clemson ha- is too dumb to figure out that, Hey, this, this young man, we haven't given the opportunity or they still got DJ in because I think Cade could definitely change some things, um, but we'll see. But I think that Clemson game is definitely the game to watch. I think we have a lot of what it takes to win that football game. Now, Miami's three biggest home games this year, I, I think without a doubt, the three biggest home games are home against Florida State in early November, uh, home against Pitt and home against UNC. We, we, we've had some uh, some heated discussions in our Locked on Canes community about what, what is the quote-unquote biggest home game because, you know, people would argue that, hey, like the Florida State game, Florida State's so bad on paper that that game, like, may not be as important in the standings and stuff. And, and look at Pitt, who won the ACC last year. For me, I, I just say that, you know, Miami, Florida State, it's always one of the biggest games on the college football schedule, even if one team is head and shoulders better than the other or if both teams stink. I mean, Florida State stinks, but they did beat us last year, so that makes me even more motivated for Florida State. So for me, it's always Florida State. But if you're going to rank those uh, biggest to least biggest top three, uh, how do you rank them? Florida State at home, UNC at home, Pitt at home. Yeah, I mean, Florida State's got to be at the top of the list. I mean, when you talk about the rivalry of college football, Miami and Florida State is almost at the top. And anytime Miami and Florida State plays, regardless of the record, regardless of the rank, it's it's a rivalry, man. You got the best the best players on both teams in, in Florida, you know, best friends that that have grown up since Pop Warner. Know, know their strengths, know their weaknesses. So it's more than just a football game. This is bad blood. This is rivalry. This is for all the marbles, you know, all, all the trash talking for when everyone comes home uh, in the offseason. These guys hang out with each other when they're not playing football. Um, and I think that Florida State game's got to be at the top of the list. And then when you talk about the uh, North Carolina and Pitt, I'll, it's interesting, man, because I think – you talk about those three, but then you've got the fourth and Duke. And I think all four of those games, Miami has something to prove in every game. Um, when, when you talk about the Duke game, um, there's a lot of former coaches that were just on this Miami staff that are now coaching for the Duke Blue Devils that's going to be coming to Miami. So that's something to look out for. Then you talk about the pit game at the end of the season. As we know, that pit Miami is starting to begin, not necessarily a rivalry, but almost like a, hey, well, we're not going to go through this movie again, right? The last game of the season, we're starting to have a very good year. We, we've we seen this happen before when we had Mark Rick, where we are trending in the right direction. And that pit loss at the end of the season started to drag out and be the momentum that carried us to three to four losses into that bowl game. Um, and then you talk about the North Carolina game. And anytime we played North Carolina the last couple of years, 
it's it's been atrocious, man. It's been something where we cannot we go to sleep remembering North Carolina, and it's not for basketball, and that's not a good thing, Alex. So I, yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I, I think all three, all even four games, Miami's gonna have to get up for. I mean, we're, we got to take care of business. But if I had to rank them, I'd say Florida State one, North Carolina two, and Pitt three. That's mine exactly, and. Dude, it was it was going on what two years ago, but I I still have nightmares about sixty two to twenty six, like uh, and and like the thousand rushing yards that North Carolina put up against Miami in the twenty twenty season. I, I will never I will never forget that. I want to beat UNC so bad. This awesome job as always from Brad Tejeda, Canesinsight.com. and make sure you follow him on Twitter at Tejeda Brad and my friend stay away from that uh the hospital food up there that they're serving to to Gators recruits and and stay safe up there my friend we'll talk to you again I appreciate it Alex you have a great day and go Canes that, that was unbelievable great stuff there from Brad Tejeda thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today now make your second listen the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast hosted by Raphael Barlow they take fans on an in-depth look into the biggest prospects the latest player rankings and of course big boards follow locked on nba big board every day on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcast we will talk to you guys tomorrow another episode of locked on canes part of the locked on podcast network your team every day